0: This is The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Good afternoon. My name is Adams, Cindy Adams, Madam Adams. Do not think it's like the mayor, Adams. I am not in Mexico. I am in New York. I am on the air on WABC. You can listen to me every Sunday from 1 to 2. And if you don't listen to me, I'm going to find where you live, and I'm going to go go do something about it. I want you to listen to me. And if you don't like how I am today, try me again. I'll get better. Actually, I would like to talk to you about the polls. Everybody's talking about elections. Everybody's talking about voting, who you hate, who you like. And daily comes another poll. So I looked around to find out exactly who are these pollsters. I spoke to a lady named Joan. She's middle-aged. She says it takes nerve to walk to a strange house cold and ring a doorbell. Mostly hired are women, she said, who are age 50-ish or maybe a little bit more. Supervisors accompany first-time trainees. So I said, yeah, but what's it like? We're all scared we don't open doors to people who we don't know. And she said, well, today doors now open less because it is dangerous. And in rich areas, when you're going to take a poll, security is very tight. If it's an apartment, the doormen bar us unless we're expected. Females fear opening a door now, except to a woman, especially a woman now who's in her 50s. We feel safer with that. Bad areas, she says, we do on Saturdays. Why? Because people are around then. It's safer. Rich areas, we do nighttime when the husband is home or phone for an appointment and leave your card and hope that they will call you back and make an appointment. I said, well, what kind of a demeanor do you have when you go into a strange house? She said, you need friendliness, intelligence, but don't lead the person. Don't be overly chatty or some lonely soul will waste your time. It's people who invite confidence, and do not put words in an interviewee's mouth. One rainy afternoon, this pollster's person couldn't spare 10 minutes for questioning. Exiting, the pollster tripped and hurt her shoulder. She fell. Lying down flat on the floor, she said to the person she wanted to interview, listen, as long as I'm lying here and we have to waste some time, How about answering the questions? She said, the overall comment is, what we do, and we need to do it for our lives. We need to do it for our country. We need to do it for our government. But I tell you the truth, the job always does take nerve. So I said, how do you learn to do what you're supposed to be doing? How do you know what to ask? She said, we have a handbook. It teaches that you only interview one person per household, no visitor, no temporary employee, and a respondent may not fill out a questionnaire himself. We fill it out. We ask the question, we write down the answer. One person, she said, must not answer for another, as in a man speaking for his wife and we are to interview only in the home, the actual personal home, not a stranger we stop on the street. And if anyone exits an apartment house, we are told to ascertain that the person actually lives there, not somebody who's just walking around. And when a third person tries peeking over your shoulder, we are taught, to edge away also she told me we are told to never record answers from an interrupter who speaks for the respondent each interview is in strict confidence we hold questionnaires so persons cannot read them during the session we don't loan out the questionnaire for the person to read and we are to ask questions as we take a poll in direct order exactly as it is worded all is carefully arranged sequentially yeah well well what else do you, do you indicate your own opinion in any way she says no we do not indicate our own opinion by gesture or inflection and we double check the survey Instantly, upon leaving the respondent, we do not return for anything unasked. So, everybody always asks us, well, this is not the respondent, this is we who are reporters. Everybody always asks us, what is your most interesting interview? I got a story. You got to listen to this. It's a nice story. Back a thousand years ago, there was an actor named Ernest Borgnine. He was an Oscar winner. He left us in 2012. He did a movie called Marty, and for which he won the Oscar. Anyway, his wife was named Tova, T O V A, and she owned a cosmetic company. She invited me to. A dinner and the place card next to me read Sasha s-a-s-h-a no last name just Sasha and Tova said to me she won't be boring understand this is my most interesting interview Sasha came in she was preceded by large noises People scuffling, chains rattling, a sleek brunette, but a little too sleek, eight feet long, not tall, yellow eyes, electrolysis like whiskers. Sasha was a full size, full grown, full length, full fur, live black. Panther. My greeting was holy, well, you can figure out the rest. I said, what's her main dish? the bus boy? What are you talking about? Why do you have a panther? What why? So she said, this was the logo of Tova's skin care operation. It she traveled with handlers in a cage on a truck. Going upstairs to this luncheon, The elevator man actually required resuscitation. Tova had gotten, you ready? Just to bring her to this luncheon, to meet me, Tova had gotten a Beverly Hills city license, a multimillion-dollar liability insurance policy, and a million-dollar city council rider. Elizabeth Taylor never cost this much. For my money, Tova could have brought me a dachshund. Anyway, they finally uncaged her, and she was on a tight chain, like on a battleship anchor. Sasha bared her teeth. She poo-pooed on the hot pink wall-to-wall rug. I actually tried talking to her, and I said to Sasha, I don't discriminate, honey. I'm just as crazy about a panther. As the next guy, I reached to pet her. She growled. I stopped petting. One trainer had both hands on the chain near Sasha's neck and said to me, Do not look to cradle her head. Stand, but sit slowly. No sudden moves. Walk. Do not bolt, or she'll think your prey. Keep quiet. Don't yell. Don't scream. Anything scares her, she might become aggressive. We are scaring her? This was the jazziest interview I ever had. Tova said to me, Sasha has done movies. Sasha has an agent. It's called Exotic Paws, P-A-W-S. However, she does not audition. She's already got the part. Sasha was not an amateur. She's posed for L magazine with models. She's done TV with Dolly Parton. She did a layout with Cindy Lauper. She's owned her, earned a fortune. Her agent obviously beats mine, and I do not wish to do another luncheon with her. The waiter poured coffee slowly, very slowly. Sasha had taken to lying flat out in the center of the room. Nobody suggested she returned to her place card. The trainer said, I'm not sure how long she'll stay. If she suddenly decides she doesn't like somebody, we have to take her out of here. So how to tell when Sasha doesn't like you? The trainer said softly, she'll let you know. And the reverse problem is, if... Sasha gets turned on by you, like certain colognes affect her. She'll then pant and maybe even rub against you and drool. Listen, for me, it was just an average night out when writing a column, and that's an answer to whoever asks me what was the most interesting interview.
0: Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: I am about to speak to somebody whom I've known a thousand years. Her name is Georgette Mossbacher. When we first met, she owned La Prairie, a cosmetic company. She's gorgeous. She's glamorous. She's got red hair all the way down to her toes. What happened after that? She became an ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Poland. I'm going to ask her a thousand questions. OK, Georgette, say hello. Cindy, I always love
0: talking to you. We have known each other a thousand years.
1: OK. Tell me what happens. I'm going to ask you. I have so many questions I want to ask you. <laughs> what is the training before you go to become an ambassador when you weren't going through all of the politics before? How does it happen? You know, they do have, actually, they have a school that lasts three weeks
0: for um, for ambassadors before you go to post, um, giving you the basics, but really... Uh, Cindy, it's, um, you know, you have to use your common sense. And uh, uh, the idea is that the president appointed me because he believed that uh, my judgment and um, my dedication to the United States of America uh, would put me in a good stead to um, really enhance our by uh, our relations between poland and the united states
1: what is the happening when you arrive at your post what is the well, fact what do they yeah. do i mean they bow and they scrape and everything but what actually do they do as you arrive well first
0: of all you arrive at the residence and uh, of course you've never been there before you didn't see it so all of a sudden this becomes is going to be your home for the next several years so um, you walk in and, and you meet the staff and you get a tour of the house and um, how where, where your living space is, where the entertaining space is, et cetera, et cetera. In my case, it was a spectacular uh, residence in, in Warsaw. And um, you get settled and you wait for the invitation from the president of, of the country to invite you to give your credentials. And um, then you meet your security detail, and you go to the embassy and um, uh, you, you see the office. But nothing really can take place uh, formally until you give your credentials to the president, and that's quite an experience because they put the, the, the your, your card. Uh, pulls up and they put the flags on it and you go to the presidential palace and they have the honor guard there and you are presented to the honor guard and then in to the presidential palace and you meet the president you hand the president an envelope from the president of the united states my credentials and he accepts them and uh, you have a chat and that makes uh, you official okay you are Okay. Okay. The ambassador.
1: So, when you have been appointed, I know Poland. I've been there. I've been in the. I've been in all over it, and the food is great, by the way. How it do you, is. how do you bone up on Poland before you leave?
0: Well, you know that's, uh, that's a good question. I the first book I read was uh, Missioners Poland, even though. Um, uh Michener is uh, uh, nonfiction. I mean, it's fiction. But I did read that first. Then um, I read everything I could get my hands on in terms yeah. of yeah. the history of Poland. And then I started I talked to people. Um, I really talked to other people, uh, certainly previous ambassadors. I met with previous ambassadors to Poland, both Republican and Democrat, to get um, uh, their their sense of it. And um, basically, uh, you do your homework. Uh, and that is just research.
1: You know, I, I met and I interviewed Lech Walensa. I've been there a lot of times in Poland. It's absolutely a terrific country, as far as I'm concerned. I loved it. So I first... have to tell you, yeah. Cindy, a great story. Yeah. I arrive in Poland before I give
0: my credentials. I'm invited to Lech says, I think it was his 80th birthday, all right, yeah. in, in, in Cadence. And I accept, of course, and I dug up a photo of me and Lech So when he was in the United States, uh, just after the fall of, of, of the um, Iron Curtain. And I, my, my husband was Secretary of Commerce comes to the United States to Washington and I have a photo of him and I and so I have that photo blown up put it in the frame and I'm going to take it as a Chris as a birthday present little did I think that when I took it that it would be in every newspaper and magazine in Poland showing us 35 years ago <laughs> a oh. picture of him and I and then a picture of him and I At his birthday. We're both 30 years older. If I'd known that, I probably would have rethought that gift. But that was my introduction to Poland. They
1: saw me then and they saw me now. Oh, I understand. I understand. Still with the bright red hair, the gorgeous red hair. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did you learn to speak Polish? No, not one word. I am (laughs) telling you, it's the most difficult
0: language. Cindy, I did not know that Z's. We're in the alphabet for anything but zebra, okay? But then I get to Poland, and there's three Zs in everyone's name. And I swear to you, that street that I lived on, that the uh, U.S. Uh, ambassador's residence, was 30 letters long. And I still can't pronounce it.
1: Oh, muzzle tough to you. What did you do? What do you do? Excuse me. I mean, what do you do when you're there? We're not at war with Poland. All you do is go to parties and events. What the hell do you do? Actually, actually, that's not that's not true.
0: My day started at uh, six. I read some briefings, got dressed. I was at the office at 830. Uh, But my goodness, it was anything but that. There was everything uh, with respect to our the threat with Russia, the 5G issue with China. Uh, We had more American troops coming to Poland. I had to do the defense cooperation agreement. We did a um, an agreement on nuclear fuel. Uh, We did the space agreement. Actually, I had very little time for parties. I entertained. I had a formula. Um, entertained my my receptions were uh, five to seven at the uh, residence, and at seven o'clock, uh, by then I had shook everyone's hand. I would go upstairs to the my residence, which is on the second floor, and I I'd, I'd be out. I mean, <laughs> they could be part. I could hear them still partry, partying downstairs. They didn't even know I'd left. But that was my only way I could I could survive because there were days I got up at 3 in the morning to drive to where our troops
1: were listen I know you if people do not know you you are gorgeous you have bright red hair and eyelashes that sometimes come out of a box (laughs) like I have Uh, I am somebody like you does not schlep around the streets of downtown Warsaw nor do they dress the way you do with the sure. schmatas, with the jewelry, with everything—don't tell me you just blended in. You can't. Yeah. You can't blend in anywhere. So Cindy, tell me, I didn't. I don't yeah, well, pretend that. Tell me. Yeah. Well, well, how did it
0: work? Well, you know what, Cindy, I—I I did not change my style. I mean, um, yes, I think I was probably uh, for and. Ambassador compared to the other female ambassadors. I I mean, I did wear, I like big jewelry. I like red nail polish. I like red lipstick. Uh, I am dressed and groomed to the hilt, but I was always prepared for my meetings and I was effective. And that's what counted in the end. Yes, I did stand out, but I think I stood out more because of what I accomplished than what I looked like. Um, But I I, I don't deny that that I I, I was very different than than most most female uh, (laughs) ambassadors.
1: As they would say in Washington, you bet your ass. I know you. You would stand out anywhere. You would stand out in Hollywood. So if you're telling me downtown Warsaw, which I have been in, which I have shopped in, the, the, the crapola I have eaten in, what is it like with you, with your bright red well, hair yeah. and lashes and schmatas? Don't tell me it was just every day in Poland for you.
0: You know, I, I, no, I think uh, it took maybe Poland a little while to get used to my glamour, if you will. Yeah. But as... Uh, uh, and no, and, and they would write about that, too. Uh, uh, I remember one of the things that first interviews I did, I had open toe shoes and that <laughs> was criticized. Well, I'm sorry did I ever think that open toe shoes would be a problem. But I will tell you something. I still I wore open toe shoes anyway, because that's that was my style. And they got used to it um, and, and again. In the end, it was about what I accomplished for them. I got them visa waiver. Three presidents promised it, but I got it delivered. So in the end, um, it was what I accomplished um, and they enjoyed. um, Okay, give me an
1: experience where maybe it didn't work so hard or where it was difficult. Tell me, tell me, because we don't really understand. You know, you know what?
0: It was never, I can never tell you that my own personal style was Difficult. Um, it, 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 it's always to some degree that way with women. But at the end of the day, it is about being prepared, uh, and I was always over prepared. So I, I can't honestly say I had a bad experience with that in that respect. Sure. I mean, there were times when uh, both what the United States of America wanted and what Poland wanted. Uh, sometimes didn't always uh, we're not on the same page but we worked through that uh, that's part of you compromise um, that's what diplomacy is about and um, we, we uh, i felt very um, i felt very comfortable i was treated with respect uh, throughout my my time there uh, but then i re- i treated everyone else with respect georgia did and I you really ever love polish people
1: did you ever goof? Did you ever, oh yes, screw up? Absolutely. Tell me, tell me, oh, go yes. on.
0: Oh, the, I wasn't there a month when a letter that I signed misspelled the name <laughs> of the prime minister. <laughs> it was leaked. It was oh, the, the first impression of me. And, <laughs> tell and, and me, tell Cindy, me, tell me, tell oh. me. Cindy, I was horrified. And I said, I'm saying to myself, as it's in all the newspapers and everywhere, you know, she can't even, you know, this is who the America sends us, you know, someone who can't even spell, right? And I remember calling a press conference and saying, look, I have no excuse for that. I take full responsibility. It says all the things about me that I am am not. But I take responsibility for it, and there is no excuse, and there's nothing else for me to say except to prove that that isn't who I am. It was, hor- I mean, my, it was horrifying, okay? And, and by the way, I didn't, I didn't blame anyone in the embassy, but I did find out what the process was for that letter to reach my desk, and eight people had to touch it. Giving you a little bit of idea of what bureaucracy in the State Department's like. Eight people, but, the, what, but it still went out with misspelled <laughs> name of the Prime Minister. Well, I, I remember, th- I wait, great. wait, no, no, Cindy, I remember calling my, my, my deputy and saying, don't we have spell check? I mean, certainly the prime minister's name is in the computer. We don't have spell check in this oh place. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, my God. Obviously, Joe Biden was working there. Okay. <laughs> so now, 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 what are you doing? I know we just went to a cocktail party at your house. I know right. before what you did with La Prairie, with the cosmetic company and and, and the gorgeous stuff you sold. What are you doing now? Well, now
0: i I am really uh, still focused on government, and uh, I took on the chairmanship of what is called the Three Cs initiative. That's the thirteen countries that were behind the Iron Curtain and uh, trying to bring their infrastructure up to Western standards. Uh, they're they're behind because of of being behind the, uh, the Iron Curtain. So we're working on putting a fund together. Uh, for a public-private partnership in order to get the infrastructure going in that part of okay, the world. Okay, I have
1: to ask you because I am a very simple soul and not terribly bright. What the hell are you talking about? What are these countries? <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, I don't tell me you simply. It, it's with the, It's simply. It's to uh, these the thirteen
0: countries uh, that were behind the Iron Curtain. I meet with their government officials, and we are putting together a fund that they will invest in in order to fix their roads, fix their their Internet connectivity, et cetera, to bring that infrastructure up to Western standards. Because, you know, when it was behind the Iron Curtain and everything – Everything, uh, while the Russians were in control, everything went to
1: hell. Oh, it still has gone to hell. Thank you with our government today. How do you view America's foreign relations now? If you tell me it's wonderful, I'm going to hang up on you. No, 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 no.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to say it's wonderful. On the contrary. Look, uh, the way we left Afghanistan was, was absolutely every American should be embarrassed. And uh, what the message it sent was 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 awful. Uh, I also have a problem with our what we're doing in Ukraine, because this has become an incremental war. We give them just enough to um, to to win the battles, but not enough to win the war. We won't give them planes. We won't give them missiles. I, I think that this is immoral, frankly, uh, because it just it's just not enough for them to win but uh, to win the war. So this thing can goes on and on and on. Uh, and it should never have happened in the first place. I mean, Putin told us for one year what he was going to do. He put 200,000 troops on the border. And what did the great Western democracies do?
1: Nothing. Okay. So I, no. I would like to pee on the government in every possible way, and you can't do that. So I just want to say... Thank you for coming on. Thank you for inviting me to your cocktail party. Thank you for having sent me stuff from La Prairie. And I just love you. And I'm glad to talk to you.
0: Cindy, I love you. And as I told your producer, anything Cindy wants, anything, I'm there.
1: How about your jewelry? (laughs) Well, all right. I'll start with with that. The hell with anything else. okay. Okay. Okay, that's a deal. Thank you, All baby. Thanks, sweetheart. Love you you Bye, too. Hun. Bye. All the dish
0: that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC.
1: I am going to speak to someone I know and love and adore. Her name is Dorit Museev. She was, when I first met her, the first lady of Iceland. She is born. In Israel. She comes from a very wealthy family and they are very, very well known selling jewelry. And I have to tell you a story about that later. Remember the Joan Rivers story? I remember it extremely <laughs> yes. well. We'll talk about it later. Tell me, first of all, Dorit, my dear friend, how did you become First Lady of Iceland? By default. What?
2: By default. When I met my husband, he asked me to marry him after two days. My reply was, I'm not in the wife business. <laughs> I still couldn't quite work out what his job was. And then to cut a very long story short, unless you've got at least four hours for the interview, uh, I ran into him again. I met him at Barbara and Jerry Hines' house in London. Yeah. I was so bored at lunch. I had to find an excuse to leave, but the cell phone didn't work in her basement where the dining room was, in i get you to house. I ended up being stuck next to him. The next day, <laughs> me, I ran into him by sheer coincidence at Yehudi Menuhin Memorial Service at Christie's. We were somehow cornered, and I was forced to talk to him for about 15 minutes. He invited me to come to Iceland. I was particularly rude. I said, what is there for me to write about? At the time, I was contributing editor for Tatler. I don't usually, when somebody in his line of business asks me what I do, I roll my eyes and say, well, I'm I'm a contributing editor because at least this way we'll have some kind of mutual point of conversation. Okay. If I was going to tell him I'm selling diamonds and pearls, I don't (laughs) think that would have gone very far. Well, so, okay, uh, yeah, he, go, go, go. Okay, well, he said lots of really great stuff. But like what? Horses. I said, okay, now we're talking.
1: Um, you really want to know the whole story? Well, where am I going to go? Of course I am. I want to talk to you. Okay. Tell me.
2: Okay, okay. <clears throat> he rang me the next morning. I said, when can you come? This was March the 16th. Being single, very happily single, lots of plans. The the next available week I had is the third week of August. So he looked at me and he said, okay, I'll organize it for them. But in the meanwhile, can I see you again here? I said, no, because I'm leaving tomorrow. My father was taken ill with a heart condition. At the time, I believe he was 85. It was Easter Holiday. I was planning to go with great friends of mine, Sorocco and Lady Forte, and a group of people to life at Key in the Bahamas. But my father called Dorrit. I don't want you to go so far away. Can you please stay here? Or go somewhere closer if I want you you're back within two or three hours. Definitely- uh, I changed my plans. Oliver had called me and I said, do you know what? I can change my plans. Can I come for Easter? But get me some horses to ride. And see if there's any skiing left somewhere. I said sure, I'll ring you back tomorrow morning and uh, we'll finalise it. Tomorrow morning comes and goes. He doesn't ring me, but another great American friend of mine rings from Aspen and says, Dorrit, we have six feet of powder here. I've got the cat booked every day. Will you come? I forget about Oliver. My fa- oh, my fa- I forgot to add, my father at that point decided to get better and he wanted to go to Israel for Passover. So I was somewhat upset that I was stuck with Iceland and he wasn't even in England. I immediately took up this invitation and took the next continental airline flight to Denver at the time. I bought a one-way ticket, took very little clothes. I was staying with a close girlfriend. I knew I could rely on her wardrobe to supply me for the next few days. I get to Denver Airport. For the first time in my life, I come to the U.S. five times a year at least. The immigration officer does not allow me in. It's now 8.30 at night. The last commercial flight to Aspen is 9.30, and if I miss it, I have to stay in Denver the night, and I miss my skiing the next morning, which starts at 7 a.m. I call my home. At the time, we still had those uh, uh, answering services.
1: This and is all how you met your, of your husband? In
2: I suddenly say, well, this man, didn't he say he's a president? Surely he must know some senators or some ambassadors. And I don't have to bother my friends here. To He could just make a phone call. Let's see what this guy is good for. <laughs> I call him. Yeah. I call him. He said, where are you? Are you on your way? Uh, where you were supposed to be. And I said, no, I'm in Denver. I didn't hear from you. He says, oh, well, I was arranging the tickets I and I wasn't meeting. Samson, can you stop making that noise, please? Go outside. Go if your friends are here. In Iceland, the dogs come and take each other for a walk. They need no human company. Um, and he says, well, when am I going to see you again? Oh, no, I say, hold on. I'm in America. Can you please ring your ambassador?" forgetting it's very late at night in Europe and try and get me in. They're not allowing me in. No no great phone cell connection. He says he'll see what he can do. By that time, I've managed to talk the immigration officer into why I don't have a return ticket and why I have no luggage. But I showed his his supervisor that I always leave when I come.
1: Okay, okay, okay. okay. Listen. I have to now find out something. Is it true? I am sitting here talking to you. I am in New York. You are abroad. You just told your dog to go outside and behave. I am sitting here with a dog on my lap. Is it true that you are trying to clone your dog? No, I have cloned my dog. Tell me, tell He's me What do you mean you cloned? Not the big dog you had with you in Iceland, the big the bigger: uh, yes. The very same one. How have you cloned him? Tell me. I called a wonderful girl. Well, it was
2: long research. Um, I found a wonderful company called Biogen in Texas. They sent someone with a kit to Iceland. We took a sample of his blood and a sample of his skin, sent it back to Texas, where it was cultured. His DNA and his um, whatever else they need for cloning was done. And then a few months later, Samson came. If you want to have a look and see just how wonderful and how extraordinary, the, not just genetics, What is the word I'm looking for? Not epigenetics. He has inherited memory from his predecessor. He's inherited knowledge from his predecessor, just like I have from my father.
1: What are you talking about? You mean the cloned dog has the same memory as the dog I had lunch with in Iceland? He has some of the same memory. And can I invite you for lunch again? And we'll see whether he recognizes you. I don't think, Oh well, I mean, I didn't have too much conversation with the dog. We're not talking about wearing either. jewelry. But That's not an intellectual <laughs> conversation.
2: He recognized people. We had uh, My husband had an employee who worked for us whilst he was president for five years. Samson had never seen it before. He invited us to his birthday party. There were 100 people there. He rushed straight to him, pushing everybody out of the way, jumping all over him. And if you really want to see something freaky, I think maybe take this away from your viewers, but it's up to you, from your listeners. On my Instagram, on the 22nd of December,
0: 2019,
2: Samson arrives at Aspen Airport. He arrives with the lady from Biogen who has taken care of him since he was born. He gets put into my arms. He looks rather distressed. He looks at her saying, hold on, where is she going? Surely she's not leaving me with this woman here. Before I finish the sentence, he is kissing me and wagging his tail, and he has never left my side. He clearly knows me. It was clear that he knew me. His likes and dislikes are the same.
1: I I can't believe that. I love my dog so much. As we are talking... My lousy little dog, who's five pounds, is on my lap even as we speak. And before I go on to something else, because mostly all I want to talk about is the dog, there is a story that we, we must tell about Joan Rivers. When you came to my house, you were wearing a rope of pearls. Each pearl was the size of an eyeglass and it was down to your crotch, the damn pearls. They were so big and so white and so exquisite. You
2: can borrow them anytime you want to.
1: Thank you. And in comes Joan Rivers wearing some awful thing that she was selling on QVC. You get a rash if you touch it. Such. A, and Joan said to you, looking at your pearls, why don't we exchange during lunch? Do you remember that? Yes, I remember it clearly and the two of you exchanged jewelry and two of you exchanged jewelry and you were wearing her lousy awful thing that she sells on QVC, and she was wearing your multi-million dollar pearls i remember it very well i remember it i remember it i remember, I remember you remember too and lunch. i wanted weren't you going to once buy an apartment here in new york Yes, but this
2: hasn't happened. Most of my friends have left New York. I've got an apartment in Aston.
1: And um, do you ski, Cindy? No, I don't do anything. I'm lucky I breathe. No, I don't do anything. I am unathletic. So you have to invite me to some simple place where I can read a book and get food. (laughs) London. I I learned to cook during COVID. I broke every rule. And
2: I'm saying this on the air because I think this COVID lockdown was a tragedy for so many people. For me, it was a blessing, but it was a tragedy. I had people for lunch most days of the week and learned to cook during COVID.
1: I can't believe that you have lived all these years in in London. Tell me about your family in Israel. What is it like for them? Are they still there?
2: No, no. Uh, we all travel a great deal. I have one sister who is there part of the time. She's actually right now in New York, visiting her son who is at uh, Columbia. It's his birthday today, Ali. Uh, what is it like for them? They're all very well. My father sadly passed away at a ripe old age of 90. My mother is 93, going strong, working, traveling the world. All very well, as if she's a 17... 17- we are all going to live a lot longer. And
1: cloning is going to be a new way of giving birth. I am so excited to hear about that. After we hang up, I mean you and I have each other's phone numbers. I have to find yes. out more about that. Uh, I am I Hello, am Hello send she'll do it for you. well, well okay. Okay. You can you can do that. And your the original dog is not with us now, is that right? No, I've got his ashes. And that was the most gorgeous dog. I remember him walking around in the dining room. He was bigger than I was and so magnificent. Did he like Iceland? Well, he was a rescue dog from a farm in Iceland.
2: He wasn't really brought up. He was drugged up. Unlike Samson, he had very little manners. Samson has been highly trained and has impeccable manners, table manners, bed manners. Incredibly obedient, goes for walks on his own, come back when he call, when we call him, uh, but everything else is the same. Nature versus nurture is a very strong argument. none okay. of us need to forget it that the way somebody was born or brought up will make a big difference
1: to the when way are you he, coming, when are you coming to New York or, or when are you coming I'm, not, here? I'm
2: going to israel I'm going to Israel for the opening of the National Library where my father is is exhibiting some of his incandation cup that Jacob Rothschild is giving a dinner for it. Jacob, bless him, is responsible. Can you believe it? Israel has never had a national library. How is that possible?
1: The people of the book not having a national library? I don't know. I also don't know how somebody as famous as you, as rich as you, as elegant as you can have a problem with an apartment in London. I don't get that either. Well, that's because I've got neighbours
2: like Pietro Laura Piana and Greg Coffey who don't care. We have had one flood after the other, torrential downpours. I don't mean little drops. The last one, Pietro Laura Piana, actually, I must, in fact, I have to hand it to him. He did send an apology, saying, "I'm so sorry for the very small flood I caused." It went down three flights of stairs. Oh my! Greg Coffey did not even acknowledge it. We're meeting solicitors. Solicitors will be meeting next Thursday, so watch this space.
1: I shall. I shall. I shall. And I will hope to catch up with you at some point. When are you in London next? Here's the thing because of the pandemic and because there are bits of it coming back, I'm not traveling the way I used to. I don't feel safe doing it. And so I have to mind myself. I'm not traveling. I'd love to. I used to be everywhere, but too many people are getting sick around me, so I'm not doing Indeed. anything. Cindy, I what? tell
2: you what, I'm going to tell you when we are not on air. But I was—I wanted to get COVID when I heard that this affliction is about to descend on us. I was actually in Aspen. It was in February, I believe it was early 2019, or was it 2020? Whenever it was, I said, "Right, how am I going to get it?" I went to India. Went to the market, licked every single surface and, of course, promptly got it. But at least I got it over with. And I did have a very special experience. I had a very high temperature. And I was hallucinating. Fortunately, again, I was in Iceland. Uh, it's, it's something we have to live with. But most of us are so incredibly lucky compared to what 99% of the world has to go through.
1: Okay. Yeah, what, thank I, God, I'm what I want to live with is your dog. And I want to live with, with my cloned dog. That's what I want to I will send live you with. right
2: now okay. your cloned okay. dog, the cloned okay. dog. And if you need any help with them, let me know.
1: Thank you. I love you, dog. they should I give you a
2: special discount. Love you too. Much love. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye, honey.
1: My name is Adam Cindy Adams, Madam Adams, New York Post. I'm on WABC every Sunday from 2 to 3.